0: if you are a retailer in 2022, there is no doubt that you have thought about what does my future store look like Two, three, five, ten 10 years from now? Will my industry still be thriving? Will my shop still be in business? Do I need to change the way that I do business? If you are an aspirational business owner that wants to continue to grow your business, whether it's by locations or size or whatever it might be, you no doubt have thought about this question. Well, my guest today, Ann Mazinga, which is such a fun name to say, Ann Mazinga is a retail expert and she worked on a project with Target and worked on a future store And what that would kind of look like. What does the store of the future look like? Her and her um, co-worker in that project then went on to start a retail podcast. And they have interviewed hundreds of different retail experts and uh, retailers about the future of retail, current retail, and future retail. So today we talked about three trends that she sees coming up in the next few years. And those trends are self-checkout and alternative checkout methods not just the self-checkout that everyone gets so upset with walmart for doing um we also talked about lockers and some things that retailers are doing with lockers um, and the ability to serve a customer after hours with those and finally we talked about inventory accuracy um, and kind of what that looks like and in using technology to accurately predict what you are going to sell and accurately um, predict what you need to have in stock pricing all different kinds of things with that so today Anne and i talk about the three trends in retail and i hope that you enjoy this episode <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on this show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. My guest today is Anne Mazinga. She is a retail executive with over 20 years in the retail industry. She is the co-CEO of OmniTalk, which is one of the fastest growing podcasts in retail, besides mine, of course, <laughs> Ann, where she provides expert commentary on the future of the retail industry and current trends. And I think uh, I just heard on a recent episode they just passed four hundred thousand freaking downloads. Yeah. So uh, congrats on that! Um, and prior to her latest ventures, and was most recently the head of marketing and partnerships for Target's Store of the Future project. An avid health and wellness evangelist, she also owns and operates North Strong, which is a bustling fitness and wellness facility in the Twin Cities. And welcome to the podcast
1: Steve thanks for having me this is really exciting um yes of course we are one of the fastest growing podcasts in retail not not at all the top one you are definitely uh, definitely doing a great job here so we're happy to have great uh, competitors and friends in this space
0: <laughs> I appreciate you throwing that out there because I don't want it to be like you know the Everyone jumps off the boat so fast to go over to yours. I didn't want it to be no, know, no, 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 the, no. Uh, demoralizing. No, everything. we
1: love it. I mean, there's <laughs> a great community of people, especially your show. I love the concept for it. And I feel like it's an underserved area. Um, there's a lot of people talking about high level, you know, enterprise wide tech and what's going on in the retail industry. And I think oftentimes um, it doesn't get distilled down to what can our community do. Um, and family owned retailers be supported by, like, how can we help, um, help them get to. Sure. So compete? like,
0: what does that mean for me? I guess. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: sure. Yeah. So Bob Fibbs was on the, uh, was a recent guest here on the um, show and he got me like pumped up about retail. Ooh, good. Um, and you know, I was kind of thinking about that episode along with yours that, a lot of your show is kind of this omni-channel presence, right? right? So mixing technology with this old-school kind of classic retail, and uh, it made me think, you know, with that, you kind of have uh, with Bob, you know, I and I and I told him this in person. I said, you know, obviously being a retail expert, you're never going to say that you think retail is going to be dead soon. So. Um, <laughs> You know, so it was kind of a, a pointless question to ask him. But with you, I, I feel like you kind of mix this technology with retail and a lot of your conversations with your guests on your um podcast so tell me where do you see you know maybe in the next 5 years or so do you feel like retail will grow or shrink or you know technology will replace a lot of things in a kind of preparation for our conversation today Yeah
1: well I'll start see by saying that you know we started Omnitalk 5 years ago and when we came out with the name Omnitalk people gave us quite a hard time about how ridiculous the name is even the term omnichannel huh. that omnichannel is dead and so we feel, I will say, we feel somewhat vindicated now that uh, that omnichannels come back in into style and people are starting to use the term again. Um, but I, I have to say, like ever since I started working at Target um, on the Target Store the Future concept, Chris, my Chris Walton, my business partner, and I, we met on that project, and we've always kind of been thinking about um, how you you focus first on what the experience is going to be for the customer and really, you know, how technology can help make that simpler, make that more convenient. It's always got to be about how you can make the shopping experience the most convenient for the customer, because that doesn't go away. It's like what Bezos said, you know, bet on the things that won't change in the next 10 years. Um, don't try to try to imagine. I mean, could we have ever imagined the iPhone, you know, in 2006? No, we could. not So like, you have to really focus on what, what do you know is not going to change about the customer and things like convenience, things like giving them time back, making the shopping experience easier for them um, and less less uh, friction in that shopping experience. And so that's kind of where we've focused uh, Omnichannel on. And I think where retail is going is really going to be, you know, I hate the cliche, like where, you're, where your customers are, meet, you're meeting your customers where they are but it really is trying to figure out how you build a flexible business, flexible retail business, so that it's not requiring a huge overhaul to, you know, point of sale systems or delivery systems in order to flex to the needs of the customers.
0: That's super interesting. Tell me more about the, the target store, the future project. Was that, um, was that something that you did for a long time or was that kind of like a short-term project or what was that? Yeah.
1: So, um, Chris Walton and I we met on that project back in 2015 and Target came to Chris and I really trying to figure out, you know, okay, what is bringing somebody to a Target store in the next 3 to 5 years and how does Target fit into that. So, we we always talked about it like how companies will build a concept car we were really building a concept store for target like what is it what is the like furthest reaching let's think ahead to like again as much as we can what are the technologies that we can test to optimize that target experience for a customer who's coming into the store and also who might want to you know pick something up or uh, you know what are all the ways that your customers are going to want to engage with target and so we spent two years uh, working on that project um, and then started AmiTalk in 2017 when that project ended. So, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a crazy world. But you know, Chris and I really enjoyed working together on that project, and you know, researching and looking into technologies, and especially because there's so many there's so many out there. Like I'm sure the listeners can can empathize with that. Like there's just there's so much to consume, and it's really hard to know where to start. And so the whole goal of AmiTalk is really to go out there and be researching these technologies from the lens of a retailer. Like what, what would we prioritize if we were going out and trying to figure out like how to future proof our, our retail store? Um, That's kind of what we try to do with the content that we're creating on OmniTalk.
0: Is the store just, um, is the store any, uh, any parts of that now? Are you seeing that any thing that you guys worked on? live in the stores now uh
1: yes i will say yes i cannot say what but uh but yes there's a lot of uh, unfortunately um the board at target at the time you know smartly with the pandemic having been (laughs) the last couple of years uh the board at the time cut the funding for our project in order to focus um efforts on the stores so that was you know Again, a smart move by Target. So this our store concept wasn't able to be uh, built, but uh, yes, we are seeing a lot of what we worked on now helping Target significantly um, compete. In, so we're living in, in the world. future, you could say. Yes, sort of. <laughs> Except we can't talk about it. It's like Fight clubs, So you know, we just
0: <laughs> we just get to well, enjoy sure.
1: the the fruits of of everyone's labor at Target. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So today we're going to
0: focus on. Uh, we talked about beforehand three trends in retail that you see. Obviously, you talk to a lot of experts on your podcast, um, and you've you know had I'm sure a lot of light shed around this topic from um, different guests that you have had, and the the research and the things that you guys are involved with now at uh, Omni Channel. But what are what is the first thing that you see? that a retailer should be, you know, and these are things that a retailer should be maybe working toward or to at least consider, is this a good idea for my business um, to maybe start working towards? What's the first one?
1: So I'd say the first trend that we're seeing um, is around checkout free retail. And I think when you think checkout free retail, there's a lot of things that that can bring up. Um, Everything from self checkout stations within a store to scan and go applications like what we're seeing Walmart and Sam's Club, uh, and now others. Best Buy is getting into it. We have a lot of other retailers starting to get into huh. Scan and Go technology, where you know I just I walk through with my mobile device, I scan a product, and then I show a barcode and walk out. There's no line. Sam's Clubs
0: is awesome. I use it all the time. Yeah, it's super great. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, they're seeing tons of adoption um, and positive adoption from customers from that that technology being put in store. Um, Kath McClay, the CEO, recently said at a conference we were at, you know, they're they're full steam ahead on this, and they're looking to figure out ways that they can expand that to more locations and even expand the functionality of of Scan and Go too. Um, we're also seeing this, you know, at it's for this point, Amazon coming out with Amazon Go uh, locations and expanding that into their Whole Food stores. And now into Amazon Fresh Grocery Stores that they're pushing out across the country. So, you know, for those listeners that might not be familiar, same thing. You're scanning a barcode like you're getting onto an airplane. Um, the door is open to the grocery store. You fill your own bags with anything. You can p- pick something off the shelf, put it back. Um, you can, you know, fill up your bags and then just walk out. So th- then you'll get a text saying, okay, this was the, um, you know, this is the items that you purchased. They were put on this card. You're good to go. They're even doing palm scanning too, Steve. I don't know if you've been following this, but wow. now you don't even wow. need a code, a barcode or a QR code on your phone. Now you can just hold, hover your palm over a little disc and walk right into the store and it charges you. So significant uh, advances happening with this technology from Amazon, from other you know technology companies in the space. Trigo is another one that... Um, they just are going to be launching for the first time with Wakefern, um, in the grocery store, Wakefern, uh, in the U.S. this fall, Grabango. there's a lot of, of people doing this kind of technology. So there's a lot of ways to scale that. And I think that's, what's important for the audience to be hearing is that, you know, it doesn't have to be the full scale Amazon, uh, just mm-hmm. walkout technology. There's a lot of ways to really start to start simple, um, uh, to try to figure out, you know, how do you provide that convenience that number one thing for your customers and try to figure out how you eliminate lines in the store so number
0: one if you had to guess if you had to guess with this with this technology and the reason why so many retailers are trying to move towards it and why they think that a consumer would want that do you think it's to improve speed do you think it's to improve um you know convenience around like not having to talk to someone and, and have dollars and all that stuff. Or do you think they're just trying to save money on labor? Um, so they don't have to have a, a person at the register. I mean, what do you, what do you think the, the motive is, I guess, for a takeaway for a small business owner?
1: Yeah, Steve, those are all amazing questions. And I think valid, you know, valid questions for people to be asking. Um, no, not everybody wants to just not talk to anybody and go in a store. Um, I think what I try to, try to explain to people when they come back with those same kinds of concerns. You know, are we replacing people? Is this trying to just, you know, get machines are cheaper than people, like all these other things that they'll come up with, um, or, you know, that they don't want to talk to people. They don't want to engage with people. We're losing the humanity, which especially in a community and family-owned business is not, you know, that's not not what you want to be doing. <laughs> we're
0: screwed. Yeah.
1: No, no, no. I think, I think it's really thinking about, Number one, giving your customers choice, and you know if they want that experience where they just have to run in and they need to you know grab a, a few pickup items that they they know exactly where they are. They just want to get in and out. You're giving them the opportunity to do that. I think we you think know
0: about them first exactly
1: yeah. exactly it's thinking about them and then there are times where yeah you go into a store and you need the advice of of the associates why you go to that business because you're trying to solve a problem with them especially like Stephen you're in your business I mean that's so much about relationships and you know this this combination isn't working like you're almost like. Consultants and you know associates in the store is really helping your customers. So I don't think it's a it's a one like silver bullet for every every um, option, which I think is important again for the listeners to hear. Like this doesn't have to be all or none. I think it's just you know, do you have a self checkout option? Do you have a locker or curbside pickup option for customers in addition to what you're already offering in your stores?
0: Yeah, that's a great way to think about that. You know, I think a lot of people, um, especially in the feed business, um, I feel like we're. I I typically say five to ten years, but sometimes I look and I'm like, we're ten to fifteen years uh, with some retailers behind everybody else. But um, I think that's the pushback with a lot of people is, oh, you're trying to take out the the personal touch out of it or whatever. It's like, no, I'm not. Like, it's just if you have a website, an e-commerce website where people can pick up what if they're in a hurry? What right. if they like to place their order at two in the morning or whatever it might be, you know? So, um, that's the way I've always thought of it is different options for, uh, consumers is the best way. Um, so talk to me about the second trend that you see in, um, for retailers.
1: Yeah. So uh, the second trend kind of, we kind of segue nicely into this. I'm, I mentioned lockers or curbside pickup, um, buy online, pickup in store. I think that's something that really gets at choice and what we were just talking about. Like, like you said, there's a lot of people who are ordering, are placing orders at two in the morning, or they want to pick up after store hours. And with the labor market looking the way that it is, like you just don't have the option to do that or to staff a place to to you know help. Um, accommodate, you know, pickup hours that are before and after the typical, you know, nine to five. So what we've been seeing a a big trend in is, um, is locker pickup. So the the idea of these lockers are, you know, they can go in front of your store, those pickup lockers, we've seen a lot of them so far from Amazon, but we're starting to see more companies come out with these lockers that are not just used for your store. So you think about it as like these lockers, the way that Amazon has been doing them is that, you know, you can pick up Amazon product there, um, but what we're seeing the trend move forward is you have a lockers that are an open network of lockers. So that means that UPS could deliver to that locker, FedEx could deliver to that locker, and you, as the store owner, can also place goods in those lockers so that your customers can can be coming there to pick up, uh, you know, the goods from your store to pick up packages that they didn't want shipped to home. Um, all in that one place. And so that's something that we're seeing. Um, well, I think we'll see a, a significant increase in, in placement of these locker systems. They're not uh, you know, dramatically expensive to install and can provide a lot of value to the business that they're you know either inside of or, or hosted out in front of, um, including, again, convenience for that customer to pick up product whenever and however they need it. The the other part of that that we're seeing, so Best Buy recently installed some lockers into their store. Um, they cut a hole in the side of the store so that the lockers can be rear-fed and so that people can come to the lockers oh, wow. at 11 p.m. or 2 a.m. if they want Um, and they don't have to be held to those, those store hours. If they know they need, you know, a phone charger before they take off for a flight or, you know, something else, they can get that at any time of day or night. And where we are also going to see that continue, I think, is when we start to think about services too. So this becomes important for the the family owned and community owned businesses. When you think about like repairs of tools, um, if you need a fixed, like for, uh, Best Buy for Geek Squad, for example, like you drop off your computer when it's convenient for you, you pick up your computer in that same space, but you're not beholden to those, those, you know, store hours of nine to 9 PM or something like that. So I think that there's. also with
0: like restaurant equipment or small engine repair or something like that. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So it's thinking about, you know. What the new definition of the store is and lockers and, you know, those iterations of lockers that we're seeing start to be released in a lot of different types of retailers are really redefining what a store is we like say mm-hmm. buy online pickup and locker as this idea of like you don't even need to go into a store in some cases you can facilitate everything from you know. Product pickup to returns now, like reverse logistics we're seeing happening to, you know, even serviceable items being able to be exchanged without having to go in the four walls of a store. And I think that's what's really important for for the audience to be paying attention to
0: man what a way to uh fight back for a retailer that doesn't have the uh calling for the late store hours Mm -hmm. i'm thinking like the you know even in our industry um the tractor supplies and some of the larger chains in the feed business you know they're at least open till 9 sometimes 10 11 p.m um and Mm -hmm. a lot of retailers struggle with having or at least we have like we don't have that amount of business um in those hours or weekend hours even right um things like that but what a way to um combat that if you had a locker system um, that could be, you know, it's just as easy to place your order online and pick it up at 8 p.m. or whatever, or 10 p.m. or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, exactly, Steve. I think the other thing, too, is it's not just in the off hours. Like, we are seeing a lot of increases in people picking up in those off hours when it's available Mm -hmm. to them, like in the case of um, Luxor One's lockers at Best Buy. But, I think what's important to note too is that it's also valuable to people during the day. Like if you just think about again, like the staffing issues that everybody's facing right now. If you know that you somebody can self-serve, whenever you give the option for self-serve and your associates in the store can focus on helping the people that need to come into the store, like again, you're giving choice and you're really streamlining where you're going to allocate your your people and your time um, and resources in a store in the best way possible, because not everybody needs, you know, somebody checking them out in that situation. But every, but there are a lot of people who need one on one consultation um, who need help figuring out what the right item is for them to purchase. And that's not always the case with, you know, something like a phone charger.
0: Sure, man. I'll tell you, and I'm, I'm just a kid. So don't punch me in the face. I, about five years ago, I was, I was pushing back. Um, maybe it was a little bit longer than that, uh, maybe six or seven. So my parents, um, third generation, you know, so we were, they were very involved, um, at this time. And I remember pushing back against my dad, telling him that, um, it was pointless for us to have a, a website. This is funny, even say this now. <laughs> it was pointless for us to have a website because I was like a Facebook page would would do you know the same thing. It would have the store hours, it would have all that stuff, and that's pretty much all we need, you know. So we can have all our Google listings and all that stuff transferred to our Facebook. But it's crazy how um, so. We, I got over that so, and now we're we're very um, e commerce driven on our website, yeah. and um, we we finally got over the hump of okay i don't think anybody will use this buy online pickup in store thing but let's go ahead and put it on there because we do a lot of local deliveries sure. so we introduced the local delivery and we just had the buy online pickup in store deal and um obviously COVID accelerated it right. so i don't want to like you know act like that wasn't the case but um we went from like zero to we're on pace to do like a million in sales just on our like Online portion, you know, just totally. It's only, I mean, that would be, you know, roughly a tenth of our sales, but still, a tenth of our sales. Where, you know, a few years ago, I was saying no one would even go to a website. That um, it's it's crazy how I just don't understand it. How you would go through a website and all that stuff. But I mean, if somebody does have a good website, it is more convenient, and you don't want to go into their store. But it's I think you you make the decision for the customer a lot of times, and you don't think. You know anybody would use it when they when they really will.
1: Right? You're, yeah, Steve. Listeners can't see my face, but when you said that, my jaw just dropped. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> oh my god! I, mean, we I, hear these... saying, I told
0: you you were going to punch me in the face. No, was, no, no. But <laughs> we hear
1: these things anecdotally, but it's just so. It still blows me away just to to uh, you know see. I and and I think number one, what you said that stuck out to me is you tried it. Like, I think that's the key mm. thing to to emphasize here is that you you, you it might seem like crazy, but it, it's, it's, again, going back to what we were talking about, having the flexibility to try things to help adapt to where your customers are going. And that's a great example. I mean, during the pandemic, a lot of, especially I'm sure a lot of the listeners, they didn't have the option to try to figure out, they had to figure out buy online, pick up in store so that they could keep their business going. And we're talking like, yeah. you know, mm single sole proprietors who, you know, who had to figure out how to, you know, get their products to people that were hand delivering and and (laughs) trying to figure out how to get that going during the pandemic. But you're right. Like this, you you have to keep yourself flexible enough to be able to, pivot your business a little bit to move forward towards some of these offerings, or at least be considering some of these these trends and technologies because your customer is going to be doing that from all of the other places that they're shopping to. So you just have to keep that in mind. Like as Amazon continues to offer these things, no, you don't have to be competing directly with Amazon. That's impossible but you should be thinking about what are the normal interactions that my customers having when they go to the grocery store when they go to pick up their prescriptions when they order something online and how does my experience kind of play into that um, or what their expectations are. are are they expecting to be able to pick something up within two hours and how do i facilitate that in my store might not be, you know, a locker system. Might not be a streamlined curbside pickup. But even if you have a process in your store where you're like, this one person is going to be doing online orders only, and they're going to just be in the back. They're just going to be bagging up purchases. They're going to be picking and packing orders so that we can tell that person, you know, we'll have it ready for you. Come in the store and get it. Um, it's all, you know, all paid for or whatever it might be. But you're again, like making sure that you're paying off that convenience and choice for that customer
0: yeah that that really made me think of delivery times i was listening to a a documentary deal about amazon recently when they implemented prime and how everyone you know was basically making fun of or or telling jeff bezos that it was impossible to deliver that fast and um you know that made me think about our business when we first implemented like a local delivery it was we were trying to schedule and route everything and it was like you order this day and it'll be like next week or something and it was like unheard of to a lot of people And i'm like do you not understand how complicated you know, I mean, it's like, it's funny, but even though it's not in your industry, or not even necessarily a competitor of yours, it still places expectations. And The same thing you see in the restaurant industry and everything else, you might be the only coffee shop in town, but if every other restaurant has a a certain service or whatever, it makes you look bad or makes customers frustrated with you.
1: Right, exactly. And I think one thing to call out there too, um, there are a lot of logistics providers who can help with that like coordinating mm-hmm. third-party logistics, so that's another thing for your customer or for your listeners to be thinking about too. Like, you don't have to solve that problem all on your own. Um, we work with a company um, called Delivery Solutions that basically they they do the work for you. They say, okay, you know, I want to deliver. I want to have delivery as an option on my website and then they will coordinate, they like go out to all of the the delivery, third-party delivery logistics providers, and they figure out for you, okay, where are you delivering? Where do you need to go? And help kind of take that on for you. So there are services like that to consider. Um, Walmart's even doing a version of this called Go Local for pickup and deliveries. Um, There's a lot of companies out there. So there is help to do that because you're right, the logistics part of it is a complete like separate business. Like that's a whole industry. Um, and I think the necessary other... Necessary evil. Yeah, necessary evil. But I think the other part of that to consider too is that speed does not equal convenience. I think that's what, that's the other part of things, things for your listeners to remember. Um, yeah, There's people out there delivering groceries in 10 minutes or less. That does not mean that that's the most convenient option. It's not always about being the fastest. And even Amazon in their latest... Um, Andy Jassy, their new CEO, his letter to the shareholders, he's even talking about like, we're we're gonna deliver in one day. And we're Amazon. We're not going for the thirty-minute, the ten-minute, the fifteen-minute delivery. We're going to make a one-day Prime promise, and that's okay too. And the same thing goes for I think the you know buy online, pick up in store, like we were talking about. Sometimes that's more convenient for people than having a two two-hour delivery window. So I think it's it's we hear about this technology, and it's overwhelming for listeners to feel like, how could I possibly deliver something, and even in two hours? Like how do I how do I operate my store and get this delivered to a customer? customer's home. It doesn't always have to be that way. I think it's just, again, we're going back to choice. And I think choice is the equivalent of convenience, not always speed is the equivalent of convenience.
0: Would you say expectations goes along with that too? I think about that um, with a lot of businesses, you know, you can go to this trailer house in the middle of nowhere that's some barbecue joint or whatever and it's a three hour wait time and they don't have they don't take cards and you right. have to like go to the atm across the street and like right. but you need you a, you need there, an nft
1: to be able to wait in line yeah <laughs>
0: yeah <clears throat> when you go there you knew that that's what you signed up for right. and you had you know you were going for that experience or whatever it might be i think about that a lot with our business that when we have something ready in 10 minutes sometimes, and then it takes two and a half days the next time, that that is frustrating and stressful for a customer that they don't know. Do you think that expectations is just as big of
1: a part of that? 100% Steve, That I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's being transparent with your customers about when they can get something. And we've seen that trend increase too. I mean, especially throughout the pandemic, it used to be like, I care about getting this shirt in a size small in blue. And we saw saw the shift from customers to being like, I care more about fulfillment. When can I get this shirt? And that's the decision that I'm using to decide where I'm going to, who I'm going to shop with and where I'm going to go. If I can get this shirt at this retailer and I can drive there in 15 minutes and pick it up. Now now that's where I'm going. I don't even care about the color at that point. Like some people were getting to the yeah. point where like I don't care what, you know, especially with like CPG and like, you know, groceries. I don't care who yeah. who makes the, you know, baking powder for this recipe. Don't care what yeah, brand of toilet paper is. I will go yeah. I will go to the place that I can get it right now because I need it. Um, and, you know, just I think we start to think about which actually takes me into the third trend that we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, it's requiring retailers to be thinking up front now, which something that was usually the last part in the checkout was like, how do you want this delivered? You know, one day standard um, or express shipping. Now that's coming up to the front part of of the funnel where I'm, when I'm searching online, you'll notice a lot of retailers, Amazon started this trend, but now Walmart and Target and, you know, even some of the farm and fleet stores out there are saying like, okay, We're gonna. Here's what. Here's what you can have. The options for this delivery are today, tomorrow, or three to five days from now. Which do you want? Um, That's requiring a shift in how a retailer is building an e-commerce site and how they're building their business. To be honest, so um, something we we can get into next. (laughs)
0: so we'll talk to me about that the third the third trend on on inventory accuracy um do you think that people should get away from the clipboard and the the notepad um inventory accuracy uh methods
1: hey i think you should do whatever is working best for you as long as you have visibility to what's on your shelves if the clipboard's working for you my god don't go away from it that's true um i think there there are though again we're talking about how technology is coming in to help Help your staff. You know, we, uh, we are having an issue with retaining staff, finding staff, and so I think that uh, where technology is coming in is they're helping replace some of the mundane, the, the repetitive, the dirty, the dangerous jobs, and and eliminating that work from your your employees, uh, you know, workload. I think what we're seeing with inventory accuracy, we're seeing really cool things. You know, everything from drones flying through stores to you know scan shelves to you know just putting um, there's a company called scandit that just you know goes onto any device so you can have somebody come in with their mm-hmm. own phone and that you can load a software um, kit onto their phone that allows them to just go up and down the shelves with their mobile device and you can see Im- immediately what's out of stock what prices are incorrect like all this information, um, and they're also taking that and putting that on things like autonomous floor scrubbers. So the floor scrubbers that's, that are cleaning your aisles at the end of the night have these scanning technologies on them or you know, there's a lot of robotics that are out there that can do that too. And in real time, you have visibility for you as a retailer into what products are out of stock, um, what's, what, am I, what is not priced correctly, and where could I be making up money here if I've got the wrong price on something. And also, you know, for all of your vendor relationships, like being able to show, you know, Purina or whoever it is, like this is where your product is on the shelf. It's in the right place. This is the price point that it's at. And like, this is what it looks like. Like all of that information is just helping you be better as a, as a retailer. Um, and that's not something that can be accomplished with, you know, just one person walking through aisles and doing price checks. It's just, it takes a lot of time. Um, and I would argue is not the best use of their time right now when this technology exists that has a, has a higher upfront investment. But I think in the long run, um, the ROI that people have been able to see from, from deploying shelf scanning technology towards getting to improved inventory accuracy, they're able to make that up you know, pretty quickly when, uh, when you see how much money they might be losing with you know, inaccurate pricing or most importantly when somebody does try to order that product online and it's not there and you the potential for losing that customer when um, they're coming to you to try to pick something up and you don't have it so i think that's a a huge focus um, for retailers right now is how do you get the clearest picture of inventory accuracy it's not as sexy as checkout free or scan and go or any of the other things (laughs) we've been talking about But, uh, but I think it might
0: make you just as much money as any of those, though, is the crazy probably
1: more. And yes, it will be better for the, it's like one of those foundational elements of the business. Like you just have to have a better picture and for all of these technologies that are, you know, coming out for over the course of the next few years, having that inventory accuracy is really key to making sure that your business can operate, um, successfully, you know, through the future.
0: Yeah. I think, I, Tell our uh, our people that all the time. I'm like having crap in stock and being nice to people. It's amazing how big of a business you can build just just doing that. But exactly. That kind of goes along with that. You know, it's it's incredible just being able to have stuff in stock. How happy people are we get so many customers that um you know come from other places they're like it's saturday afternoon and i'm going out of town and you know such and such i went in there and they're out of something or whatever especially in consumables right because it's something that you need on a you know repetitive basis it's very similar to grocery stores and, and a lot of different businesses um with these three that we talked about what do you think is probably something that someone should get on board. What do you think would have the biggest impact on someone's business out of these three?
1: Um, Without a doubt, inventory accuracy. I think that Mm -hmm. you, like you just said, Steve, I mean, especially when we're talking about a family-owned business, a community-owned business, like your biggest asset is that people trust you. People, you have the relationships with your customers. You know what they need. And I think that this technology is just going to like you said, help you be able to be the place that has the stuff, you know, that, that is yeah. there that they can rely on and they know when I go there on a Saturday and I'm going out of town, I I can trust that if it says you have it on your website, if I go in there in ten minutes and pick it up, like you've you've not just solved a problem for me, but you've developed a, a loyalty in me as a customer that you've I know trust. I can come yeah. back. Yes, exactly. And so I think that's really important to emphasize too. Like Technology, you know, it is there is some technology that is replacing the human workforce. I, I'm not happy about that, but I, I do think that for the most part, technology can be utilized to help aid the the human workforce that we have, especially in community owned businesses where that is your bread and butter. Like, how do we use technology to allow you to just keep being strong and um, keep being the, the reliable place for your customers and I would say inventory accuracy is number one and then looking at some of these other technologies that we talked about today um, to really figure out you know how, is that right for my customer because they might not be the right they might not be the right solutions you know your customers best um, but there are a lot of things that are out there that can can really help supplement the work that you're doing and how you serve your customers.
0: You had a, uh, uh, episode recently about, um, some statistics around Instacart. Mm. Um, that's kind of hard to say. Statistics <laughs> around Instacart. Good um, job though. You did it. I had to like, really, I was like, I was having a stroke while I was <laughs> Um, so what was, what, that's kind of that industry is also very similar to the feed industry, right? Grocery stores and feed stores are kind of the same thing for different, <laughs> ours is for animals different versus species, um, yeah. theirs is for humans. Um, so what what were kind of some of your biggest takeaways on, on what Instacart is doing and, and kind of about their app?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that right now it was the categories that we were seeing, like the, the retailers that were having the most success with Instacart and whose business, like we talked, you talked about like 10% of your business was being fulfilled now by online orders. I mean, some of the people that, that were mentioned in that report, you know, uh, Wakefern, Costco, Aldi, like some of their, a significant portion of their business is now Instacart orders. And I think that wow. like you like you are seeing um, the trends in like delivery and third-party logistics providers, like you're seeing this kind of back and forth now with retailers wanting to own that customer relationship versus Instacart owning the customer relationship. And that's something that, you know, up until this point, a lot of retailers just had to go with Instacart because they needed somebody to you know Instacart was coming in they're like plug and play you guys just you know we'll we'll do the picking we'll do the delivery you guys don't have to do a thing you just have us come in and do it which during the pandemic was a requirement but now now that retailers you know large and small have figured out how to like what their customers demand looks like for this service, um, how they can fulfill that service and what other options there are outside of Instacart, there's a demand to get that customer relationship back. And so I think that, you know, while Instacart's trying hard to remain relevant, I think we're gonna start to see a lot of retailers kind of pull back and figure out, okay, do I go with somebody like a delivery solutions that can help me, you know, just facilitate the delivery portion of it Um, and I'm doing the picking and packing so that I can maintain that relationship. Um, or, you know, do you start to see even retailers starting to, you know, deploy their own resources for delivery themselves so that they can hang on to all of that information. Um, we didn't talk much. Uh, in this show about this, uh, but I think retailers developing their own media networks, we're seeing an increase in that where, you know, when they are, when you are doing e-commerce sales, a big portion of where you can get uh, revenue from, especially revenue to cover the costs of delivery are, you know, working directly with your vendor relationships to sell ad space on that platform it's very valuable for the the vendor partners because i am in that moment of purchase right there i am um, ready to purchase you know feed i'm ready to purchase supplies and if i get an offer you know beam to me right there on the website where i can see an instant you know dollar off of that order whatever it might be um, i'm i'm going to take it and so the retailers and the vendors are seeing you know, a a pretty significant conversion from this type of offering. And I don't think that retailers have started to explore that to the fullest extent that they can, but um, they will, as they start to have to take on their own, you know, as they start to move away from Instacart, they start to take on their own uh, delivery. That's something we'll be watching pretty closely.
0: That's incredible. It seems like the leverage, it almost just seems, it kind of seems like the leverage has shifted, you mm-hmm. know? Um, it was just one of those small, slow burns that just kind of, oh yeah, put our deal on your site. Okay. That's fine. You know, yeah. and it <laughs> continued, Hey, uh, we're going to ask for some more things. <laughs> exactly. Instacart, once Instacart builds a little leverage there, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I, uh, I'm glad to hear your your kind of your thoughts from that. Um, in in preparation for the final question, I just wanted to thank you for um, your podcast. It's 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 incredible. When I when I found out about it, I was like, hey, that's like really similar to our business, and um, it's there's a lot of helpful things in there. Um, some of it gets a little. Some of it gets a little out there and, uh, beyond, (laughs) beyond the, uh, beyond the things that I deal with, but, uh, but I do do want to thank you for what you guys are doing. And, and, uh, if you haven't checked that out, I'll have the uh, link to that in the, the bio of this show. Uh, Um, but, and a final question here, no pressure, but you've had hundreds and hundreds of episodes with, uh, retail experts you are what you could call a retail expert yourself um you know you've worked on different projects and things like that if you had to boil everything you've learned and know yourself down to one piece of advice for a retailer in 2022 what would that piece of advice be
1: oh i'm gonna i have not interviewed him but i'm going back to what bezos said i mean i believe this from the very beginning when i started working on future store concepts at target Bet on the things that won't change. Hmm. That's the best advice. Um, Don't don't try to figure out and solve for what you think the customer might want. Bet on the things that won't change for your customers. And that will lead you to make the best decisions on your business, uh, what technology to bring in, and how to serve your customers.
0: Ann Mazinga, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a treat and I have a few things that I need to go work on in our business now. So I am going to get to it right after this episode. Thank you so much, Ann.
1: Thanks, Steve.